2: Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast. He's Justin Dunk. I'm John Hodge. We got a full slate today, Dunkster. We're talking about the Toronto Argonauts' salary cap, the retirement of Ricky Collins Jr. But first, Dunkster, you procured a CFL-PA memo stating that the CFL and the PA are submitting a formal return to play plan to the Canadian government for the 2021 season. Henry Burris can't take the CFL seriously on its return. (laughs) Can
3: you? Buddy, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually can because of the timing of this. For once, at least in the last year or since COVID struck, the league is actually being proactive. We knew the CFL Players Association and the players wanted to play the entire time last year. They were game to do it, go to a hub city in Winnipeg, But those discussions didn't start with the league until very late, which put them behind it from the beginning. This time around, they've actually started talking. You procured that memo from the CFLPA that said that they were going to begin discussions in the second week of February. And that's led to progress already with them submitting their health and safety protocols to the six provinces where teams are based. And at the same time, that will go to the federal level. From what I've been told, Hodge, the key to all this is that the Seabell Players Association, while well, we're using the word a bunch of times, procured the NHL Players Association's documents and protocols that allow them to return to play, especially in Canada. That's obviously the focus. So it's easy. And I think it should be a tap-in, to use a hockey term, or at least put the ball back on the field in football, because you know what provincial and federal governments already gave the go-ahead to for the NHL to play. You might not have the kind of money the NHL has, but you know how you can get it done from a health and safety perspective.
2: Yeah, look, I, I want to be optimistic. There's been a lot of doom and gloom in this pandemic that's been going on for almost a year at this point. Um, that being said, I, I'm going to pour on a little bit here. I can't take the CFL seriously on anything because, frankly, I thought it was disgusting the way that they led fans on and players on, people who rely on this league for their entertainment, and even more importantly, their livelihood, right, in the case of, of hundreds of players across the country, you know, the entire membership of the CFLPA, and, and, and look— it's a global pandemic. It's a gate-driven league. I get that there may have been no solution to playing in 2020. I'm still not convinced that's true, but let's pretend for a moment it's true. <laughs> the CFL needed to communicate those things and they didn't do that. They failed to do that at every turn. They kept their mouths shut and let everybody spend 3 months from, you know, May until the season was eventually canceled in August. They they let everybody sit back and speculate, and I my I mean my phone is blowing up about it. I can only imagine if my phone was blowing out up, up about it, what your phone was doing. Players hitting me up, guys hitting me up. What's going on? What are you hearing? And it's like, guys, I'm hearing nothing. Like I'm sorry, there's there's nothing. I don't know what's going on. It is a barren wasteland of information. So look, am I hopeful that the league will get back to playing in 2021? Of course. Do I want to bet any money on it? When I say I feel overly (laughs) optimistic, that is a hard no. That is a 100% no hesitancy. No, I hope I'm wrong. But as the old saying goes, you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not getting fooled again.
3: Dude, I'd actually bet money on it at Bodog Canada because they have the props up. But I would bet on the league playing between 1 to 17 games. And hey, I'm with you. Until it actually happens, we're not going to believe the league, especially, pulling it off. And you're bang on in terms of not hearing a peep from the league office. And a lot of that will fall on Randy Ambrose, fairly or not. And to be a little bit fair, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe the board of governors and the owners, who are ultimately his bosses, are telling Ambrose to stay quiet.
2: Well, that's fair. But then that's their That's. I'll put it this way. I've had to fall on the sword for mistakes that other people have made. We've all got to do it. If Ambrosi's got to be the fall guy, he's got to be the fall guy. But my point is they, they got to get a plan. They got to get back on the field. I'm not going to believe them until that first kickoff.
3: All right, all right. The bell went. Moving on. The Toronto Argonauts have drawn major speculation from fans. We'll call them armchair capologists, Haji, that they're over the CFL salary cap after adding a number of big named free agents do you think there's any truth to it
2: well let's come on is there any recent precedence for the toronto argonauts going over the salary cap like that oh <laughs> oh wait yeah that's true they did in 2019 but that was and the league, jim didn't, pop and a different the league regime, didn't penalize them. to be fair and yes that's fair you are correct it was not the current regime's fault i'm not blaming them that was that was jim pop as you said that being said i do not know think that the toronto argonauts are over the salary cap and and you know, the, the CFL is not necessarily transparent, you know, c- d- looking at, you know, a place like the NFL or the NHL where a lot of salary cap information is made available and there's all kinds of cool, you know, salary cap calculators you can use online to balance things out. Your your average fan does not have a good concept of how a CFL roster is put together and how the cap is is managed. I'll, I'll highlight one position that's that, you know, the Toronto Argonauts have been loading up at. Which is defensive tackle. They signed Charleston Hughes. They traded for Cordero Law, who you oh, think would be the two starters. Hughes
3: doesn't oh, sorry. Tackle.
2: Sorry, Defensive ends. I misspoke. DN. But then you've got three big name former NFLers in Eli Harold, Shane Ray, and Coney Ely, who just signed this past week. And to me, if you look at that, yes, at first glance, you might think, wow, they're loaded here. But the thing you got to remember is guys like Harold, guys like Ray, guys like Ely are all CFL rookies. They're coming in on deals that are either going to be very close to, if not at the league minimum salary. And because the, there, there's really, outside, especially this offseason, there's no upfront money for guys outside of really established veterans, guys who play quarterback or guys who are perennial all-stars. The Argonauts can cut almost anybody on their roster right now and not owe them a dime. So I'm not saying that Toronto Argonauts won't have to cut some good players in camp. But what I am saying is, is there any reason right now in the month of February to panic about their cap situation? To me, the answer is no.
3: <laughs> I agree, man. And it's funny because, as you said, this is what happens in a league when you don't provide. The basic information, like you said, there are many pro leagues out there. The NHL would be the one that's probably closest to a lot of listeners of this podcast because there's so many hockey fans in Canada. There are multiple websites that you can go to and see where the teams are at through the course of the season in terms of the NHL salary cap. Obviously, you cannot do that in the CFL. We do our damn best to put all the numbers out there we can, Haji. Maybe that gives me an idea. That's a project for us to do a three-down nation.
2: You never know. We do have the best salary info. Staying with Toronto Dunkster, the Argos you're hearing could be adding another big name to the roster. I'm dying to know who is
3: this mystery man. Dude, people are going to freak out if this actually happens and pen is put to paper because the raining. Most outstanding Canadian, yes, linebacker Enoch Mwamba. Wow. Very well. Can you believe it?
2: <laughs> could
3: be signing. You're telling
2: me they're going to sign uh, one week after signing Cam Judge and breaking Ryder fans' hearts. They're going to do it all over again and sign the next best free agent in the CFL.
3: <laughs> it's certainly possible, my man. I would tab the Argos currently as the front runners to sign Enoch Mwamba. Some of that has to do with geography because Mwamba actually started playing football in Mississauga when he was 16 years old at his high school. So he goes back to what was, I guess, his hometown in Canada. He had come over to Canada, I believe it was from the Congo initially. That's where he was born, but started playing football there at age 16. And it makes a ton of sense when you look at what Muwamba wants to do post-career, he has a foundation and he wants to continue establishing potentially his podcast, which I believe is called Muwamba's Moments. And that line of thinking has led to a potential connection with the Argos, man. There was a lot of people throwing speculation out there. We hadn't heard very much, but obviously, Haji, as you well know, we do the digging. Can you actually... Think of how ferocious that defense is going to be if Muamba puts pen to paper, man. It's insane. All the defensive ends that you talked about with the linebacking crew, Cam Judge in there. My goodness.
2: It's going to be a good defense. And, uh, and I'll say this. If people are concerned right now, about the cap situation in Toronto. Just wait and see if they sign Enoch Mwamba. That would be incredible. Uh, Fans losing their minds about the cap situation with the Argos. And look, I said it before, I'll say it again. The cap in the CFL in February means nothing. Again, The league did not penalize Toronto when they went over the cap in 2019. So you could argue the cap doesn't matter in November or December either. But (laughs) it certainly doesn't matter in February. Uh, We'll have to wait and see how things shake out in training camp. We'll also have to wait and see how things shake out, Dugster, after the break.
3: Hodge the Riders want to bring six, count them, a half dozen quarterbacks to training camp in 2021 during a global pandemic, potentially, where the numbers could be reduced. Is that realistic or Prairie Farm dreaming? I think it's
2: realistic. I I think if you're a CFL team, you, you need to have three quarterbacks, and that's two guys who are good and then the next guy. And right now, I think you know, Saskatchewan certainly has at least one guy who's very good, Cody Fajardo, the West Division's reigning most outstanding player. And then you've got two guys who I think could be could be good as well. Isaac Harker looked very good in spot duty in 2019. and uh, James Franklin, of course, once, you know, the, the, the wonderkint of the of the CFL thought to be the next great thing. Uh, did a couple of uh, average at best years in Toronto looking to to kind of redefine what he is and, and what he's about. Um, that being said, they've got these other three guys who are intriguing and Mason Fine. They got Tom Flacco. They just signed Luke Falk, who is an absolute stud at, at Washington State. Didn't have a great career with the New York Jets, but hey, He's looking to uh, to make the adjustment to Canada. I think it's a great decision bringing in all these guys to camp because as as I said off the top, you need at least two guys who are good and you're always looking for that next guy. If the riders think that person could be fine or Flacco or Falk, I think it's genius to bring in all these quarterbacks regardless of what training camp looks like in 2021.
3: Agreed, but If you can bring six, you might as well bring them there. I think you should bring as many quarterbacks as you can even in the state that we're in with COVID-19 because you want to see what you might have for the future. Obviously, everyone's going to look at Cody Fajardo, Isaac Harker, and James Franklin because they've been in the CFL before. We've seen them play, obviously, varying amounts. But for me, the three quarterbacks that they're bringing in that don't have any CFL experience are very intriguing. The one guy that just keeps popping out to me is Mason Fine. Just seems like he has that quarterback franchise fit in him in terms of... Playing for a smaller school wasn't a star necessarily in terms of being blown up for the NFL draft. Didn't even get picked in the NFL draft. Was ultra productive though. You know, it's kind of along the lines of the guys that are franchise pivots today in the league that we talk about. Mike Riley, Bo Levi, Mitchell, Trevor Harris. So I really am intrigued to see what Fine could do. The issue is, Haji, I know the bell just rang. The training camp could be ultra short. We're talking 10 days for these guys to get acclimated to the CFL game.
2: They got to make a quick impact. And here's the other thing. Even if your guys aren't seeing the field, we know from guys like Nick Arbuckle or even James Franklin back a few years ago, If even if a guy's not your starter, you can always flip a quarterback, even a pending free agent quarterback and get a really good draft pick back. So to me, stocking up at the quarterback position always makes sense. I don't care how short training camp is sticking with the riders. Dunkster, former defensive back Will Blackman was on the Rod Peterson show where he said the riders under Chris Jones were, quote, full of it, unquote. (laughs) What's your take on that interview?
3: Dude, it was very revealing into the let's call it chicken squad at the time that was going on there. That was what it was dubbed (laughs) around the league because Jones had set out the stipulation that there was a competition, I believe, one day a week for players to get dinner and get chicken. So that's how that name made the round. But Blackman takes you inside that. And even though Blackman was a veteran from the NFL, had won a Super Bowl. He wasn't really treated any differently than anyone else. And it's almost as if, and we weren't in the building, but that Jones or some of the other riders on the coaching staff side weren't respecting what Blackman wanted to do as a player. The guy comes in as a 12-year veteran, knows how to treat his body, and they're telling him, hey, if you don't go out and do one-on-ones... Then you're not going to fly with us. Or you need to get in the cold tub because we feel like that's the best way for your body to recover. Well, Blackman's played 12 years. He's made his body last that long. And then he makes the active roster, which you're supposed to be exempt from doing those post practice one on ones. And it should be stated, Hodge, that to me, if the players really wanted to file a grievance against the coaching staff, that would violate the CFL and the collective bargaining agreement in terms of the practice time that's allotted each day. So he was doing it willingly at the start. And once he felt comfortable and didn't want to hurt himself because he felt sore, doesn't end up doing the one-on-ones post-practice, which for the uninitiated is just a receiver against a DB on the field, goes into the locker room, thinks he's going to go upstairs to sign his paper to just not be on the octave roster that week. Ends up being told by then assistant GM, now the current GM, Jeremy O'Day, that Chris Jones is going to release him. He had no idea about it. So clearly they were going to rule with an iron fist there. And Hodge, what spoke even even more volumes to me was that you had players on Twitter like Ricky Collins Jr., who we'll talk about in a second, and even Bakari Grant saying that they have stories to tell too.
2: I I personally find an accusation that Chris Jones was not operating by the book 100% in Saskatchewan Flabbergasting! I am. That is a shocking accusation. Absolutely shock. Unfounded, dunkster Unfounded.
3: <laughs> the sarcasm is just dripping off that entire statement. <laughs> of course, of course. I just mentioned him, Ricky Collins Jr. Somewhat surprisingly, Hodge announced his retirement at the age of 28, coming off a 1,000-yard season with the Edmonton football team. Are you concerned by the growing trend of relatively of relatively young players that are in their prime retiring from the CFL?
2: I am, to to be quite honest. And, and look, I want to start this off by saying if a player decides to step away from the game, I have infinite respect for that. These guys put their bodies through a tremendous amount to compete at the professional level. Anybody who wants to step away at any age has my respect. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am saying is, from a league perspective, I think the mishandling and and again I t- we talked about it at the top, the lack of transparency through this whole process has has been part of what has set some of these players off. For instance, a guy like Trey Rutherford, uh, who who announced his retirement on three down. He, he has a dream to go and become a police officer. It, it's a shame from a league perspective to lose a 25-year-old you know stud Canadian offensive lineman. He probably goes, though, regardless of the pandemic. But a player like a Torrey Latanzio, a player like a Ricky Collins. I mean, this guy, he, he's a 1,000-yard receiver, was set to make $140,000 in Edmonton was going to make, if he wanted to play in 2021, this is not a case where nobody wanted Ricky Collins. He had several teams offering him contracts through the free agent process. He had good offers, including one that was very close to, would have been likely over six figures with incentives. But he's he, he's got four kids. He's got a good job outside of football right now. And he doesn't feel comfortable that the CFL is going to hit the field. And look, we saw this all the way back in, even when the pandemic was in its early stages, right with James Wilder Jr. Now he's re-signed back in the CFL, but you've seen players now, several, retire it in their prime because primarily they are concerned not for their body, not for you know anything other than I'm not sure if the CFL is a viable way right now for me to support my family. And that image is is just from an optics perspective, in my opinion, horrible. Horrible. For the Canadian Football League
3: and it goes back to what you said earlier Hodge about not having faith in the league being able to put football on the field and there are many players out there you know Justin Medlock would be one of them a lot of questions about him whether or not he'll play he'll tell you well what do I have to come back to or commit to I don't even know if there's going to be a season so you can't leave a job where you said is with Collins Jr. supporting his family for the potential of a season
2: Dunkster, one of my insiders this week said that we are about to enter the golden age of Canadians in the NFL with players like Chase Claypool, John Mechie III, and Shuba Hubbard potentially starring at skill positions.
3: Do you think that's true? I do, and Josh Palmer's out here saying, yo, can I get some love? I know he played at Tennessee, <laughs> had a solid career there with the Volunteers, and to be quite honest, if there was better quarterback play... There, he won't say it, but I can. It would have been a much more stat-filled career for Palmer at Tennessee. So, yes, I agree. He's in the mix. There's a number of other ones as well. Amen Ogbong Bamiga had a great standout career at Oklahoma State, the Canadian linebacker. Hodges, you know, being a draft guy, some people feel like his body's maybe a little more suited for the CFL, but I believe he's going to get an NFL look. And there are a number of other players that are getting looks and that are coming through the ranks. At the skill position. So I really feel like it's going to be this unprecedented era of Canadians in the NFL. And we saw it with Chase Claypool. Nobody really saw it coming. And it's hard to predict a rookie season that he had. And he was in consideration to be the offensive rookie of the year. Even with a quarterback, Justin Herbert, the way he played with the Los Angeles Chargers. But Claypool has sort of swung the door, knocked it down, burst it open, however you want to put it. And we saw what John the III did at Alabama, how productive Chuba Hubbard was when he had a competent offensive line and a decent quarterback. So to me, it's going to be very intriguing to watch these stars rise in the NFL in the future.
2: Yeah, to me, the key word is skill position. And you know I don't like that term, but <laughs> I'll use it because it is, it is a, a widely used term. Um, you know... A guy like Laurent Duvernay-Tardif has gotten a lot of ink, a lot of attention because he stepped away from a Super Bowl winning team to help fight the coronavirus pandemic, which is admirable. But let, let's take that part of it out of the equation. You know, watching an NFL game with a buddy and saying, hey, by the way, you know, the right guard for this team uh, is Canadian that for an average Canadian football fan is probably not the most scintillating or sexy reason for them to get invested. If you could say, hey, the guy who just caught that game-breaking touchdown He's Canadian. To me, that's a little bit different, and so I'm not trying to disrespect, you know, guys who have been in the league for a long time, guys like Brent Urban, uh, guys like uh, Brett Jones, you know, players who are 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 Canadian and and have had great NFL careers, but are maybe more role players. I think to me the difference is that a lot of these guys now are potential uh, stars, right, who are going to break out on the offensive side of the ball, receivers, running backs, uh, not just big guys in the trenches, which is uh, to me really exciting. We gotta take a break, but we'll be right back with Hodges Heritage Moment and the three-minute drill. On this day in 2020, the Montreal Alouettes signed receiver Naaman Roosevelt. The six foot one, one hundred and ninety-five-pound target had spent the previous five seasons with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders where he recorded 301 receptions for 4,134 yards and 20 touchdowns. He re-signed for 2021 and will make his Alouette's debut whenever the CFL returns to the field. Dunkster, do you think Damon Roosevelt still has some gas left in the tank?
3: I do, man. That guy catches everything thrown around him. Derek Taylor has charted him for years. He's probably, arguably, at least in the discussion, for the surest hands in the entire league, Haji, Roosevelt going to be dearly missed, I feel like, by the Riders.
2: I agree. Here's time for the three-minute drill. Here we go. Warren Moon ran a successful cookie business while playing quarterback in the CFL and NFL. Did that surprise you?
3: Not at all. Nom, 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 nom. Give me some of those Warren <laughs> Moon chippery cookies, man. They look delicious. Oh, my goodness. Anything Moon does, I feel like he would be ultra talented. And the fact that he ran a cookie business or winning gray cups and becoming a franchise quarterback in the NFL is unbelievable. And he ended up selling it. What a smart dude. Sticking with Edmonton, Sean Lemon thinks the EE football team is up next to compete for a gray cup. Do you agree, my man?
2: I think Edmonton has a lot of talent. I have some questions, however. Uh, about their salary cap everybody's talking about toronto and the salary cap i have a few more questions when i talk to people around the league the only team that comes up in terms of cap and it's because of the guaranteed money right toronto can cut 90 some percent of its roster and not pay a dime edmonton has committed a lot of upfront money there's a lot of people with questions about how they're going to make the financials work with the ee football team Dunkster Canadian defensive back to Von Campbell, Regina product Scarborough native, re-signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. Is that a big deal?
3: It is, man. We just talked about skilled position players in terms of Canadians opening up this new era. Well, Campbell is one of those guys that's a part of the group of Canadian that starts at corner in the NFL. I don't care if you're a nickel or a dime back, or whatever you want to call you, playing defensive back in the NFL as a Canadian legit cover dude who had a pick six, by the way, last year. It is a massive deal, Hodge. Another player that made his NFL debut in 2020, former Riders linebacker Derek Moncrief, had to ignore smack talk from his old teammate in Saskatchewan, Sam McGuavin, when he made his NFL debut. Have you ever had to ignore smack talk, Hodge? Does that happen?
2: I have Dunkster, but nobody lives in my head rent-free, especially if they're not you and your weak <laughs> smack talk. Weak, weak smack talk. You broke the news that former CFL All-Star receiver Brandon Zilstra resigned with the Carolina Panthers. Do you think we'll ever see him back in Canada?
3: If he gets a legitimate shot to play with the Panthers or maybe even another NFL team, no, I don't think so, Hodge, and I feel like you would agree. We've seen him and what he can do in a short time in the CFL. If he just gets an opportunity to be even a number three receiver, and ideally one day a number two, maybe even a number one, that guy can ball. In my mind, he could be at the upside of an Adam Thielen. It's really very similar there when I watch those two guys play hodge instagram user avery de maray i hope i said that right asked who would win in a bare knuckle prison rules fist fight between the two of us that's a crazy question to get for our first edition of a monday mailbag
2: <laughs> yes by the way Monday Mailbag, every Monday, uh, if you send us questions via email, DM on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're going to be posting them on the site with our answers. It's kind of our answer to after getting rid of the comment section. As for Avery's question, which made me laugh out loud when we received it, I think, Dugster, if I could get you out in the first 30 seconds, I'm putting money on me. But your cardiovascular fitness level is extremely high, and I have the cardiovascular fitness level of a potato. So I'm going to say in the first 30 seconds, I'm betting on myself. If you weasel your way out of the first 30 seconds, Hodge
3: going down. Oh, dude, I'm going to grease myself up. You won't touch me in the first couple of minutes and I'll just wear you <laughs> down with some jabs. You know what I mean? Get you down to the ground then maybe pin you in round two.
2: <laughs> I'll put it this way. If you're greased up, I don't want to touch you to begin with. All right. On that note. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 3Dow podcast. We'll see you guys next week.
1: Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And, of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Filet-O-Fish Sandwich all day.